transition, we're going to start uh, studying again through the book of Romans. Now, uh, this has been kind of a slow go. I know some of the, I feel like I've gone through some of the chapters in one message. I think we're now on the fourth one in Romans chapter 12, and I'm only, I'm only going through one verse today. So, so we're going to keep, <laughs> we're going to take our time in this and, and uh, really absorb everything that there is. Uh, to get out of it. Uh, In this chapter, we've read how we as individuals and how we as a church should respond to everything that we know and everything that we've learned about God and his mercy on us, on, on us who deserved his wrath, about the grace that we've received that we can stand in, um, and, and the unimaginable blessings that we're going to be able to share in as we join with him. We have blessings on earth and we have blessings to look forward to in the future. And when we think of all of these things, uh, it, it propels us, it motivates us to offer our lives to him. That's how we started this, this chapter off, was offering our lives, offering our bodies as living sacrifices to him. Last week we talked about Christian love and that it's... Uh, it's the kind of love that, that God wants us to have for the world, that it is different than the world's kind of love. It's, it's not self-serving, but it's sacrificial. It's a genuine love, and it's a love that we only really truly know how to show because we've received it from God, because we've seen God at, at work in our lives. We've seen the way he loves us, and so that's how we know how to love others. That's how we, um, it's only through what we've received through him, um, not just knowing and understanding what he did, but his Holy Spirit living in us empowers us to love like he loved because he's in us. The love that was demonstrated by Jesus set the standard that we follow. It sets the example Jesus, through God, uh, was able, he, he, though he was God, he was able to set aside his divine nature, his divine privileges. He set aside what was his rights, and he died for us. He, he loved us. He uh, chose to, to take on human form and die for our sins. That is the example. This, this is an extreme example of what it means to die to yourself, to, to put, really put somebody else's worth and value above your own. Christ overlooked our mistakes. Our mistakes, that's a nice way of saying sins. Sin sounds ickier. But he overlooked those and loved us anyway. And that's how we're supposed to love each other. We overlook each other's faults, and we love like Christ loved. It's not about what we're getting out of it. It's about loving regardless, loving because God loves, and, uh, and really because he loves each one of us, not, not just as Christians, but, but everybody in the world. He loves the world. He loves people, and so even if we don't see it, uh, he's in us, and if we let his spirit be alive in us and change us in, into who he wants us to be, we will love them too because it's in us, it's ingrained in us. Last week, uh, we read Romans 12, 9 through 21, and then we dug deeper into verses 9 and 10. Today, we're going to do kind of a similar thing. We're going to go ahead and read through that section one more time, and then we're going to dig in deep to verse 11. 
So let's pray before we do that. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is truth. I thank you that it is life. I thank you that it is an instruction for us that guides us and leads us into, into to thriving, into growing, into joy, into peace, into uh, overcoming obstacles and hurdles, into not holding on to things that would drag us down. Lord, your word is a light into our path. And we thank you for it. We ask you to speak to us through it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans 12, uh, starting at verse 9 through 21. Let us love without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on the high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil have regards for good things in the sight of all men if it is possible as much as it depends on you live peaceably with all men beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him drink for in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I just feel like I want to clarify that part where it says give place to wrath. It makes it sound like, like uh, we're, we're supposed to have a place in our life where we pour out wrath. But, but the place for wrath is in God's hands, and that's what it's saying there. So I don't know, the way I, the way I read it in that translation, it just makes me think that. So I just want to clarify I didn't last week, so... We're going to get into that in a few more weeks anyway. All right, these principles that we read, this is, this is written in kind of a, kind of like Proverbs is written, where there's just a, a, a lot of instruction kind of piled on top of each other. And so there's a lot of instructions, a lot of principles to get through, which is why I'm kind of struggling to race through it, because there's just a lot here. Um, but these principles can be applied to the world at large, but it seems like this section here uh, is more specifically pointed at the church, at, at how we love each other. Um, there, like I said, God loves everybody, but, but it starts in the church. It starts in the church. Uh, when we get into chapter 13, we're going to read more about how we should interact with other people, how we interact with the world. But looking at the verses uh, leading into this section, Paul is writing about how God has made believers um, members of one body. He talks about us as being family. This is, this is the, the tone that he's taking. This is the direction he's talking about um, is this idea of family, that we're brothers and sisters, and, and it, it doesn't seem that he's changed his focus here, here as we move into verse 11. He's talking about Christians loving each other. On a side note, I, I really love that he uses the word family uh, because I think that when you think about family, it connects you in, in a more committed type relationship. Family relationship is a committed type relationship. And it just, family just really makes sense when you think about it. Because as Christians, we were born of the Spirit, right? That we were, we were born of the Holy Spirit. God 
becomes our father because we were born of the Holy Spirit. And if we all have the same father, we're all brothers and sisters, right? So it just makes sense. Uh, we should be called brothers and sisters. Um, when we put our faith in him, uh, we were made alive in him. We were made brothers and sisters. So this is wonderful. It's wonderful news because um, as brothers and sisters, we all know brothers and sisters never have any problem uh, loving each other, right? We always get along. Um, if you have natural brothers and sisters, you know that that is not always the case, that we always uh, get along, that we never have to wrestle with uh, how we treat one another. Um, sometimes it seems like siblings fight with each other more than they do anybody else, especially as kids. Um, you know, most of the people they hang out with other than their brothers and sisters are friends, and they choose those. The other ones you're stuck with. So, <laughs> you, had to, you know, personalities, you know, are different, and, and so you have to overcome some of that stuff. Uh, but because we're bound together as family, uh, they still love each other even though they may fight. They may not say the words, they may not be willing to say the words, I love you, but they still love each other um, even if in that moment they don't really feel like it. I know this is true for myself, especially, like I said, when I was a kid, I can remember uh, fighting, arguing with my sisters. Uh, that happened a lot. Uh, I was, you know, angry with them at times. They were angry with me. I never did anything wrong, but it happened. But <laughs> the cool thing was is that even if uh, I made them mad, if I really needed their help, they would set that anger aside and they would be there for me. Uh, one specific memory came to mind uh, when I was in junior high and there was a kid that was kind of bullying me at the end of the school day and my sister uh, came and stepped in and saved me. I know being saved by your sister doesn't seem all that cool, but she was, she was a couple years older than her. She's bigger than me and bigger than the, the guy who was bothering me and, uh, and she was able to, to, to step in. Now, I was probably annoying her that morning but she set that aside and she loved me anyways and cared for me anyway. Uh, we, as brothers and sisters, run into some of those same situations where it's hard to love. It's against our human nature and we need to have God's word inside of our hearts making us love like he loves, teaching us to love like he loves. We need a love that is greater than ourselves. We need um, we need to be transformed so that we don't react the way that the world reacts when some, somebody does something bad, that we don't automatically just close the door on them and run away, but we continue to love. We overlook offense. We make allowances for each other's faults. That's God's way of loving. He overlooked our faults and loved us anyways. Like I said last week, this way of Christian love is not natural. We need to be taught by the Spirit. We need to be, uh, our minds renewed through the study of God's Word. We weren't born wanting to put other people first. We were born wanting to grab the toy out of somebody else's hand. So this takes commitment. This takes dying to self. God's Word must be made alive in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit as we surrender to His will. The Holy Spirit's not going to force you to love other people. He's not going to force us to love other people. We have to allow him to lead us. We have to be willing to follow. But if we have the, the proper motivation in our mind, if we have our hearts full of passion for the Lord, um, then we, we have that heart to follow. We have that desire to follow. 
So moving forward uh, from verses 9 and 10 into the, um, where he instructed us to love one another, to love each other as family, to love with humility, uh, we move into verse 11, Romans chapter 12, verse 11, where it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So this verse, depending on your translation, either follows a, a period, a comma, or a semicolon. And uh, that maybe doesn't mean much to you. Uh, I, I don't know, but when I read it, it, it makes me kind of decide how do I, how am I viewing some of these, these descriptions? Because uh, we just finished reading about how to treat one another. If you look back at Romans 12, verse 10, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And so these are verbs that are, these are actions that are all pointed back to how we treat others. But now in verse 11, it ends with the word serving the Lord. So is not lagging in diligence and fervent in spirit, is that about how we love others or is it as an act of serving the Lord? Um, it, and, and both of them are, I mean, I don't, you're not really gonna get yourself into trouble by doing either one of those things, but it, but it seems like it really has more to do with how do we serve the Lord? How do we serve the Lord? What is our, what is our heart towards serving the Lord? And that will impact how we love others and how those other things are displayed but it's really our heart for serving the Lord. And uh, when we ec explore you know, why this encouragement might be placed here in the middle of instructions, because there's gonna be some more following that talks about how we treat others, but why is this in the middle and why is it so important for us to be reminded of this? Um, as I mentioned before, uh, the very beginning of this chapter talked about our motivation. And, uh, and, and this verse also kind of turns back to our motivation what is going to keep us loving continually if we're supposed to love others how are we going to keep doing that continually um, i said in the beginning there was this therefore and there was this uh this in view of god's mercy we should you know offer our bodies as a living sacrifice so there was that the motivation was everything that came before um here we see god has God is to be our motivation for loving others. Our, how we serve the Lord is, is, how we, is where we get that, that motivation. We'll dig into that as we look at some of these words a little bit closer. But if God is not our motivation for how we love others, our love won't be consistent. It won't be constant uh, because others are not always loving us. They're not always um, giving us the feedback that we need in order for us to want to respond in love. And so they're not always stirring up that love in us. Sometimes it's actually the opposite. So if we're going to continue to love with genuine love, we need something constant as our motivation, as, our, as, our, uh, as the driving force for offering that love. It's, it can't be them. If it, if it is them, then it's not that God kind of love because it's a love that's based off of what we're getting, not just loving anyway. That's loving over top of whatever we're getting from that person, recognizing that they have value regardless of how they're treating us. So as children of God, um, we base it on our relationship with God. We base it on an eternal covenant that we've made with God. We, we base it on God's perfect love. We base it on his 
perfect faithfulness, his eternal faithfulness, and, and we base it on the, the glory that is to come. So, so our love is based off of God's perfection, not somebody else's imperfection. It's based off of God's perfection, not somebody else's imperfection. Otherwise, we can't love continually. If my eyes are on serving God and he wants me to love others, if my passion is stirred towards God and he wants me to serve others, then with my eyes on Christ, remembering how he loved me, then I can die to myself too when I can love. But if my eyes are on each individual person and each individual moment in life, uh, my response may vary. So with this idea of having this desire to serve the Lord as our driving force, let's look a little closer at these descriptions. So it said first, it says, not lagging in diligence. Not lagging in diligence. So the word translated diligence here is one of those Greek words that, that has a, a deeper meaning than maybe we can get out of just one English word. Um, it's been translated a few different ways. Uh, if you look in some translations, it'll talk about zeal. Um, it'll say uh, not being slothful or lazy, but working hard, having devotion. These are all words that, that talk about what this word diligent is. Um, if you look in, in other places in the Bible where the, the root word is used, maybe a little bit different variation of, of this same word, it talks about um, hurrying or having haste, that there's, a, there's an element of speed of response or, or prior, prior, prioritizing something you know, at the top. Those, those are thoughts that are connected with this word. The, the word in the Greek, uh, if I'm saying it right, it's pronounced spude. Spude, it kind of sounds similar to speedy. So if you want to remember that it has this idea of haste, spude, kind of like speedy. Um, when I ask my kids to do something, I would love them to show some spude, you know. <laughs> when I, uh, I say, can you please take out the trash or pick up your toys, I like it when they don't just sit there thinking, yeah, I'll do it later after I'm finished doing what I'm doing right now. It's great when they just get up right away and go and do it. It, it, it's, it shows honor. It shows respect. Um, how many times do we feel like God is asking us that we need to change something in our life, something in our daily routine, and we're like, yeah, God, I'm going to work on that. But we are lacking a little bit of spude. <laughs> we have every intention of doing it eventually. Uh, but it ends up on the back burner. We really want to do it, but we're kind of busy with all of the other distractions of life right now. He's saying we need to be not lacking diligence. We need to have some spude. We need to have some devotion, some haste. Sometimes my kids are so into what they're doing, it's like they don't even hear that I'm talking. <laughs> it's like, uh, and, and sometimes they do, they just don't respond. But, but, but sometimes they, they, they're just so into what they're doing, they don't even hear. Um, it happens to us too. We, uh, we've all been so busy in life that we, uh, we, we fail to, to stop and listen, to, to give a chance for God to speak to us. Or worse yet, maybe we've ignored the, the voice so long that it's become kind of white noise in the background. We need to build up some spude. We need to remind ourselves to have some diligence. Um, we need to remember uh, that we have 
surrendered our lives to the Lord because of the great mercies that he's shown us. So secondly, after we get this diligence uh, established, and I think these really just tie hand in hand. I don't know if you can do one without the other, but um, the next part of the verse talks about being fervent in spirit. Fervent. Um, We're supposed to serve the Lord with a fervent spirit. I have to say that outside of the church, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody use the word fervent. I don't know, maybe that's, maybe back in in different times, maybe uh, today, I just, I don't hear, I don't hear anybody use the word fervent. And uh, in context, you can kind of make some guesses on, on its meaning and how it's being applied. But in case you're, you're unsure, it literally means hot or boiling or glowing. It's, it's used figuratively to describe someone who has zeal or who is excited, who's showing great emotion. I, I like that the, the definition where it talks about boiling. When I think about fervent in the ter- terms of boiling, when you think about water, you can have water that's hot, like too hot to touch, but it's, but it's still not quite boiling. Um, but once it gets to a certain point, you know, we, we learn in science class, the molecules get so excited that they can't just sit there, that they have to start moving, that the whole pot starts bubbling and churning. And it's just a great depiction of like what kind of fire we're supposed to have in us that we would be, you know, just bursting to want to do something, you know, to serve the Lord. This is all connected to serving the Lord. You know um, how if you ever had a pot about to boil over, like it just takes a second. If you can quick get it off the, off the burner soon enough, it, it'll, it'll die right down. I mean, just, I mean, it doesn't take any time at all for that to stop boiling. And if you put it right back on real quick, it'll, it'll bubble right back up into, burn, into boiling again. Um, but the longer the water stays off the source, the longer it takes for it to get churning and boiling and get active again. That's how, uh, that's how we are. You know, that's how we, you know, if we're going to be fervent in spirit, we can't, we can't stay too long off the, off the cooktop. You know? We've we, we got to stay connected to the source. We've got to stay connected to, to our motivation, our, be connected with the spirit that's living inside of us. The heat, that's where the power comes from. That's where, the, that's where the heat comes from. When we remember who God is and his greatness, all that churning, all that, like, we get excited to do something for him. Then we have that spoo day. <laughs> we've all had moments where we've really felt that way before. I, I think most of us have at least, you know. Um, sometimes it happens in worship, you know, where we're, we're reminded of the goodness and the greatness of God and, and we're just stirred and we just, you know, sometimes we just start clapping or we raise our hands or we want to shout out a praise to God. Sometimes you maybe feel like dancing. Maybe you, you suppress that a little bit. I, I, I felt that and, and, and I've, I'm hesitant to move. I don't know why. I don't know why. But, but, I, you know, but sometimes you get so excited you just want to jump up and down. Um, when you really get this passion in you how great God is and what he's done in your life and that he has a plan for you in the future that you have and there's just so much that, that when you really think about it you get excited it's in those moments that we're at a rapid boil we have that spoo day we have, that, we have excitement and uh, in verses 9 and 10 where we're loving one another that comes to life like we can really love one another we can really 
want to encourage and motivate one another and, and when we have our hearts just stirred by, by remembering who the Lord is and what he means to us and just, you know, going back to verse one and two, because of his mercies, because of all that he has done for us, um, we, we can be excited. We have reason to be excited. Amen? We have reason to be excited? Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, but when we get... When we get off the burner, when we separate from the source, when we don't take a time to pause, we cool down, we lose that passion, and we kind of forget that motivation. Uh, over my lifetime, I've been at many uh, camps and conferences, especially as a, as a youth, where you really are able to focus in, and, and, and you're worshiping daily, and you're hearing the word daily, and you're surrounded by all these other examples of people who are faithfully just seeking after God together. And, and you're, just, you're just so excited. You come home and you're just like, this is gonna, ha- this is gonna stay this way forever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the world for Jesus. Like I just, I, I just and you just have this energy about you. Um, but then you don't maintain that fire. You know, it, you know, you have that fire for a reason because of the things you know, that you were spending your time doing and the ener- where you're directing your focus and your energy. That's why you had that fire. But then you come home and, and you don't do that. And uh, you find that fire dies down and your, your spoo-day goes kapoo-day. And <laughs> if we... <laughs> If we want to maintain a fervent, a fervent spirit, we have to stay connected to the source. We have to stay connected to the source. Good news, source lives inside of you. <laughs> he's right there. So we, we don't have to go looking for him or chase him down. He's right there. Um, but we also need to do it together. We, we're, we're called to do it together, to worship together, to pray together, to serve together, to, to love one another. You can't love one another if you're not together. Uh, it's, it's really hard if you don't have any connection. Um, but we, ha- we have to be together as well. Uh, when we practice loving one another, it helps us stay fired up. It helps us stay fired up to serve the Lord. Uh, when I encourage somebody else, this is a weird thing. Maybe it seems like a weird thing. When you encourage somebody else in their faith, when you serve somebody else, you get excited. And then when you're on the other side and somebody is serving you and encouraging you, you get excited. Like they both, both things encourage us. That's, that's what we need. We need both and we build on each other. If, uh, if any of you, I don't know if any of you uh, burn wood like I do, but uh, if you've ever had a hot bed of coals and you throw in one, log. It'll sit there and it'll just kind of smolder. Maybe you'll get some little flames off of it, but it, it almost doesn't even want to burn. It's just weird. I mean, you've got the hot coals, but it just kind of smolders. You put a, a second log next to it and all of a sudden it's a, it's on, there's a flame, there's a fire. One feeds off of the other and, and it's hot and it's bright and that's how we are. We're, when we are together, when we're, when we're allowing what God is doing in us to, you know, to serve one another, to build up one another, the, the fire gets brighter, it gets hotter when we do it together. We need to stay connected as believers to one another. It reminds me of uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Um, 
We need to practice loving one another. We need to be close to one another um, if we want to stay fervent, if we want to stay on fire for God. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, uh, shows kind of an example of that. He begins his letter uh, talking to Timothy as, as if he's a son. It's, he's using these terms of being family with Timothy. And he lets him know that he cares about him and that he's praying for him and, he, and he's encouraging him to stay fervent, to stay on fire. Um, he says in 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, maybe I didn't give him that one. Um, 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So Paul, in this... Uh, this letter is coming alongside Timothy. Timothy's not going to just sit there alone and have to try and keep this fire going on his own. Paul's going to come alongside of him and he's going to encourage him to burn brightly, to remind him of the beginnings of his faith. He's going to remind him of the examples that were set before him in his mother and in his grandmother, the, the, to remind him of the way that they demonstrated this great faith. And so he's not standing alone. He's connected, even if it's in memory, of, of other Christians walking this same walk. He points Timothy to God as the source of his spiritual gifts, and he reminds him that God has put his spirit in him, that God has gifted him by his spirit, and that the spirit in him is a spirit of love, it's a spirit of power, and it's a spirit of self-discipline. He, he wants him to be fired up. He wants to stand alongside of him and he's going to encourage Timothy so that they can both burn brighter. When I was young, uh, when I was a kid, some of the most popular songs that I listened to were songs that really talked about this kind of zeal, this kind of excitement, this kind of fiery passion. We sang songs about being part of God's army and being uh, warriors of the cross, you know. And we were gonna we were gonna march out and we were gonna we we're gonna stand out for Jesus. We we sang songs that that had to do with you know not caring what the world thought of us, but but wanting to be whoever God wanted us to be. We we sang about being radically saved and and being Jesus freaks, you know. Um, but it, but it just there was this this attitude in that especially I feel in my youth that I that that I feel like sometimes in adulthood needs to be stirred up again is just this this passion that God is going to do something big and great and I want to be a part of it, right? Um, one of, one of the songs that pops into my mind quite a bit um, is a song from the '80s and. Uh, it was, it was probably one of the first songs that I really got excited about. I was only about nine years old when I heard it, or when it first came out. Song by Petra called All Fired Up. All Fired Up. And, uh, you know, it was an 80s rock song. And so it had that kind of, that feel to it, which, you know, uh, means it's a song that I'm not going to try and sing for you. But, <laughs> but I'm going to share a couple, a couple words from the lyrics because they're, they're just really good. 
It says, when the weight of the world begins to show, when the flames of faith begin to die before you know, time to be rekindled by the everlasting source, the all-consuming fire, the illuminating force. Like a blacksmith's billows aim, he fans the embers into flame. So we need to be encouraged by one another. We, we do need that. We need to stay close to one another, but God is the everlasting source. He's the consuming fire. He's, he's the, the one that, that illuminates us, that makes us shine brightly. We're, <clears throat> we're not a flame on our own. We're a reflection of what God is shining on us and in us. We have a fire in us, but it's, it's God living in us, and we just need to be willing to open up and let that shine. And so um, are we excited about that? Do we have some spude to, to, to seek out God and to spend some time with him and, and build up this ferventness, ferver, fervenosity. <laughs> are we excited about what he wants to do uh, and are we excited about what he wants to make us into? I know, you know, thinking back to this, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, us as, I was a youth, you know, when some of these songs were popular. And, and as a youth, you're, you, you kind of know that you're in this shaping and molding period of your life and, and you're figuring all this stuff out. And sometimes when we get older, we can kind of think that we're already shaped. Well, you're not shaped all the way yet, okay? God still has shaping he wants to do. He wants to shape us and he wants to use the way that he has shaped you to encourage one another, to love one another, to build each other up, to fan each other into flames, to, 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 to remind each other of why it is that we fell in love with God in the first place. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not grow weary. How do we not grow weary? We have to stay fervent. We have to walk with each other and we need to stay connected to the source. Next week, we're going to talk more about some of the details of what sort of things we might do if we're all fired up. But for right now, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to close this, this message and we're going to just take a moment. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're going to sing. Um, as we sing, I want you to just use this as a chance to, to think again about who God is. Uh, like I said, worship is, so we can do it in song, but you can stand there and, and not sing and still be worshiping God. You can, you can in your heart and in your mind or even out loud while the music's going, you can remind yourself and say out loud how good God is. To, to speak of the goodness of God and to just tell him that, you know, Lord, I just, I love you. I, I see your grace. I see your mercy. I see your faithfulness on my life. Lord, I, I'm, I'm in awe of, of your power. I'm in awe of all creation. I, I, I'm excited to see you in your glory and in your fullness. And when we start to think about all that God is and all that he has planned for us, that fire is stirred. So as we worship today, let that fire be stirred and then go and, and get close to somebody else so that that can be burned together, you know, so that you can encourage and stir each other up. Not just today, we're probably all real encouraged and excited here at church, but sometimes it's, we, we get out 
outside the church and, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a time during this week that, that you feel like, you know, you're going to pause and you're going to use some of that spude to stop and listen. And, and you're going to be like, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to reach out to somebody or, or you know, I haven't talked to this person for a while. I'm going to just send them a little message of encouragement. Um, we can really build each other up. And uh, I've, I've appreciated those moments of getting that. I've, I've loved being able to be the ones giving that. And so it, it, it fires you up when you serve the Lord by loving one another. The two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Our spood, intelligence, and our fire are directed to the Lord first because in connection with him, we can keep from being weary and losing heart for doing good. If we're not doing good out of zeal, and excitement for God, it becomes a weight, it becomes a work, it becomes a heaviness. But when we do it with a heart connected with God, he gives us strength that seems to come from out of nowhere. We practice good by showing each other love. And, and we've read verses about how that begins in the household of faith, and that's where we, that's where we practice. But it starts here, and then it goes out into the world. And we show that love to the whole world. I have two challenges for you this week for you to practice keeping this diligence and fervor uh, burning in your hearts and uh, keeping our, our minds set to be responsive to what God has for us. So the first is just, and this is just a minute, just, just to take a minute or two each day, maybe, maybe five, maybe ten, as much as you as much as you want but take a minute and just stop and listen stop and listen what and say lord is there something that you want me to do today is there somebody that you want me to encourage uh is there something that you want me to apply from your word maybe uh read the next 10 verses of of romans and say how, you know how do you want me to apply one of these things to my life what would what would honor you what would what would be a worship to you and so just take a minute and say lord you know, is there something you want to speak to me? Maybe you'll hear something. Maybe you won't. Go back again the next day. If you read God's word, he's always speaking to you. So you can, you can go ahead and take whatever you read. But sometimes he'll lay something on your heart specifically for that day. But give him a chance. Give him a chance to speak to you. Um, the second thing is to worship. And maybe you want to do these in reverse order. But just take a second like we did here and just speak back to God his attributes. Remind, remind yourself by honoring him of how good he is and why you love him and why you've committed your life to him. Um, stir up those coals, fan into flames, the, you know, the fire that God started in you and, and let the Holy Spirit be alive in you. Let, it, let the Holy Spirit have control. There was a song that was on the radio on my way in uh, and uh, it was talking about, let's see if I can get this right. It talked about even though uh, you don't need me, you want me. Even though you don't need me, you want me. And because he loves us so much, I want to let go of control. That was, uh, it's not worded exactly that way, but that's what it was saying. You don't need me, but you love me anyways. And because you love me so much, I let go of control. And so uh, take five or ten minutes every day this week and worship the Lord. Remember that you, you love him. Remember why you love him. Open up control of your life again 
and ask him, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And, and not because it's a job or an obligation. The whole point is that we're so excited with love for Jesus that we want to see him do something in us and through us and for his glory. So let's go this week and let's let that fire burn. Let's let that fire burn. Let's encourage it in one another and let's stay connected to the source. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.